It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Chief. Here's your host, Matt Derry. Another week of Wired. Here we go, everybody, talking Pistons basketball as the team is out west. First game of the West Coast trip, a success on Thursday night as the Pistons blitz the Phoenix Suns, a big second half to win it 118-98. And we'll talk all about playoff possibilities, scenarios, the standings. We'll get into the road trip a little bit. And joining me later on in the podcast is the great Sean Devaney, longtime NBA writer for the Sporting News and the SportingNews.com. We'll get Sean's thoughts on where he sees Detroit right now and who he likes for them to play in round one of the playoffs. As again, we're only 11 games left, with the Pistons in good shape to make the postseason, currently sixth in the East, as they have a one-game lead over Brooklyn, a two-game lead over Miami, and uh, the Pistons currently have a three-and-a-half game lead over, over Orlando in the race for these final playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. We are brought to you by Jeep, as I said. Good win for the Pistons to start this road trip. A four-game Western swing started Thursday night. Detroit uh, blitzed to Phoenix, like I said, and took them apart in the second half to the tune of a 118-98 win. Wayne Ellington has been a terrific pickup by Ed Stefanski, 23 points, and give Arn Tellum some credit. That was, of course, one of his former clients when Arn was a, a player agent. Ellington knocks down six threes on Thursday night to score 23. Now the Pistons, in a game they had to have against a pathetic Phoenix team, now they go to Portland Saturday, Golden State Sunday, and Denver on Tuesday. Those are three of the four top teams in the Western Conference. Golden State tops. Denver, a half game back, is is two, and Portland is four in the West. So you're going to find out a little bit about this Pistons team and, and where they really stand by facing some of these heavyweights on the, uh, on the West Coast. The Portland game Saturday night at 10 o'clock, Golden State Sunday at 8.30 Eastern, and then Denver on Tuesday. So you know we'll, we'll see where, where this team stands, but... Pistons are playing pretty well, and I understand fans start freaking out. You know, Monday night, why are they resting Blake Griffin? What's going on? Let him play this. You know, Jordan wouldn't have rested. Blake Griffin needed a break, and Monday night the Pistons didn't guard anybody, and they got beat by a team that actually is giving a decent effort in Cleveland, even though the Cavs are tanking and have 19 wins all year. That certainly was disappointing on Monday, but the team responded certainly. Uh, with, with with a victory on Thursday to get it going again on this West Coast trip, and you got to like all the contributions that the Pistons are getting from the bench. The pen, the bench scored forty five points um, on Thursday night, sixteen of them from Luke Kennard, who continues to I'm not going to say star, but boy, he's he's been fantastic in his role, and has kind of found himself here in the second half. He knocked down a couple of threes. Ish Smith. Look, we could go over the Pistons' splits with and without Ish Smith, but he provided that spark and kind of a couple of dagger shots in the fourth quarter. He had 11 points. Langston Galloway with eight couple of threes. And then Thon Maker, who I've been talking about since the Pistons picked him up at the deadline, has been a really nice pickup for this team. Ten points off the bench in 28 minutes. This is some interesting audio. I want to play you what, what Dwayne Casey, the Pistons' head coach, had to say after the game last night about Thon Maker and some of the wording that he uses to describe this young kid that, that you wouldn't think would be described this way. But take a listen to, to Coach Casey last night after the game talking about Thon Maker, the youngster, coming off the bench and, and starring in a nice role for the Pistons on Thursday night. With his activity, energy, uh, his length, just his, 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 his grit. You know, Thon is one of the grittiest guys on our team. Um, defensively, he uses his length. He's all over the place. Um, you know, again, he's one of those kids that uh, you don't have to say giddy up to. He's always ready to go, and we kind of needed that when we were kind of in mud defensively. 
Um, but, you know, he brings it every night. Every night that young man brings it and kind of sets the tone for everybody else. Man, I love listening to Dwayne Casey talk. Um, very interesting. <laughs> Called him gritty. Said it. He has put forth a lot of effort. And here's a guy that, you know, was a former first-round pick, unhappy in Milwaukee, gets shipped to Detroit. Last night, you know, played 28 minutes, which I think is the most he's played in a game all year for Detroit. But you rarely hear a guy like Thon Maker, who's so young in his role and so frail. He's not a big guy, per se. Tall, but not obviously filled out yet. Still still growing into his NBA body. But to hear Dwayne Casey call him gritty, I, I love that. And it's, you know, right now it's the dog days, man. I mean, we are in the mid to late March, getting ready for April, getting ready for a few games in April before the, before the playoffs start. These are the ones that you find teams mailing in, not giving full effort. You know, a lot of people now with their eyes on, on, on March Madness and college basketball. So maybe the NBA is not top of mind for a lot of people, but for a guy like Thon Maker to, to give the kind of effort that he gave on Thursday, whether it was rebounds, getting on the floor, uh, knocking down some big shots. Um, Dwayne Casey, very high on what he has with Thon Maker and what he has coming off this bench right now. Because when those guys are clicking and Thon Maker is doing his thing and Ish Smith and Langston Galloway and Luke Kennard and uh, you know Zaza when he's when he's healthy and and kind of being a, a kind of a badass out on the floor, uh, the Pistons are that much better and are playing pretty good basketball. And like we talked about, currently at the in that sixth spot, a game ahead of Brooklyn, and if the season were to end today, it would be the Pistons and the Sixers in round one of the playoffs. Right, joining me now here on Wired, the Pistons podcast, Sean Devaney, who writes for the Sporting News and has covered the NBA for a long time. Give us a couple of minutes right here. What's up, Sean? Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Good to hear your voice again. Uh, we're getting to, you know down to the stretch run here. 11 games left for the Pistons and for a lot of these teams jockeying for position, especially in the West. But let's talk about Detroit a little bit and where they sit at six right now in the conference. What do you think of the, uh, of the latest Pistons kind of run here where they're playing better basketball? Yeah, I uh, and I, I think you have to give a lot of credit to to Dwayne Casey, um, just in the way that he's approached this season. Um, he's he's really always had this belief, it seems, and, and at times it seemed like he was uh, maybe off his rocker a little bit. Uh, uh, but he's always had this belief that that, that this team uh, should be a playoff team, that it had the talent to be a playoff team. Uh, and uh, we we've seen him show some patience with guys who uh, you know Reggie Jackson coming back from injuries, for for example. Uh, and uh, and now it's paying off. You know, this is a much different team uh, in the last 20, 25 games uh, than it was to start the year. Uh, and again, you know, I think you got to give uh, uh, Dwayne Casey uh, a lot of credit because he stuck with some guys uh, uh, through, through through some thin before he got to the thick. And uh, um, you know, now they're they're reaping the benefits. When you look at a guy like uh, like Coach Casey, who, who's a veteran and. Uh, I think his message is certainly different than uh, than than Stan Van Gundy's in terms of probably presentation. Um, but what what makes him special? What do you think of the fit when they hired him? Yeah, you know, I, I think what he doesn't get credit for, for one thing, he's a very good defensive coach. He's going to make you a better defensive team. Um, you know, that you saw that in Dallas uh, uh, when they won a championship. He was sort of uh, uh, the, the head of the defense there, and, and that was an important part, probably an underrated part, uh, of what won them a championship in 2011. Uh, and you can go through the progression in, in Toronto and see how important defense was. You know, everybody focused on what they were doing with Kyle Lowry, what they were doing with DeMar DeRozan, uh, but it was really the defense that that, that shifted things for that team, uh, and, uh, and and again, that's what he does best. 
you know, offensively, I think what we've seen is is, is he can be a flexible guy. He can kind of look at uh, what his players are, what they can do, and design an offense. And, and, you know, sometimes it might be simple, especially early in the year, but it's something where he layers as the year goes on uh, and, and adds wrinkles, adds new things. Um, you know, if you look at his offenses in Toronto, uh, for a long time they were just pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll with, with Lowry and, uh, uh, and DeRozan. Uh, that changed last year where they where they tried to do more of a ball movement offense. They won fifty nine games, uh, and I think you see that with Detroit that uh, uh, that that he's gone from uh, you know a Blake Griffin heavy offense. You know Reggie Jackson just wasn't ready to start the year, uh, so they were really just running everything through Blake. Uh, and now it's changed, and now it's 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 much more of a ball sharing offense. You see you see less reliance on Blake Griffin. I think that's good uh, as they head into the playoffs. You, you know get more players involved. Uh, that's that. That's what you like about him is that he is uh, a flexible coach, and 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 not all coaches are that way. And 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 certainly the Pistons' previous coach, Sam Van Gundy, is not known for his flexibility. So uh, I think that's the difference with Dwayne. Sean Devaney with me from the Sporting News, a longtime NBA writer, well respected. We love talking to him here. Uh, you mentioned Dwayne Casey making some adjustments and the health of Reggie Jackson, but what about Andre Drummond? What? Some sort of light switch, uh, you know, has been flickered by him lately, and he just seems like a much more motivated player. Not sure if it was the All Star snub with Vucevic or what it was, but what do you see, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, really, he's he's shown in stretches uh, between last year and this year. I thought, uh, you know, being a different player and and uh, uh, probably consistency is still the thing, and that's always been the thing going back to college uh, uh, that you that, that, that you wish you'd see more of. Uh, but when he's locked in, when he's focused, uh, he's as good a center as there is in the league. You know, being a a pure center, a guy who uh, is going to be in the low post, a guy who's going to uh, uh, you know be a, be a rebounder be a, a defensive presence uh, you know I think that that it was tough for him uh, uh, like I say when they were running the things through Blake Griffin you know it's it's hard for him to find his spots in that uh, in that in that sort of offense you know you really do need more pick and roll you need more uh, more of the floor to be spread and and they shot the ball so well uh, in the last uh, you know month and a half two months uh, that that really does create more room for him, and and I think that's better for him. It's better for Blake. Uh, but you know when they when they didn't have a lot of reliability from the guards, uh, you, you know, and you're you're running everything through the high post with Blake. I think it was tough for Andre to really find uh, his spot. So I think that's probably the big reason why uh, why we've seen him play better and better. Uh, you know, more so than the All Star snubs. He's been he's been snubbed before, so he's he's he's, he's probably accustomed to that. But I, I think it's more just. Uh, uh, them making those perimeter shots, uh, running things more through Reggie Jackson and the guards, and I think that that's really created some room for him. Is it you know you just mentioned shot making? Is it just that simple with this basketball team? Where at the start of the year they couldn't hit water if they fell out of yeah. a boat from three, and, and now you look up. Uh, last night Wayne Ellington lit up the Suns, hit six threes. Luke Luke Kennard's been very very consistent the last month month and a half. Seems like he's finally kind of growing into his role. Is it just that simple that these that these three point shots that Dwayne Casey's offense kind of you know runs or uh, you know sort of has in their arsenal are now falling? 
Yeah, I, I, it definitely was uh, a little strange that, that as many guys shot so poorly as they did to start the year. Uh, but, you know, you, you have some guys who are streaky. And, and, you know, certainly Reggie Jackson, the way that he shot the ball uh, uh, over the last 20, 25 games, you know, up up over 40% in that stretch, uh, you know, that's a little unusual for him. Uh, so, you know, he's he, he's playing above his head in terms of uh, in terms of how he's making shots. Langston Galloway is very, very streaky, but uh, – but he's been on a hot streak and he's been on it for a while. So, uh, you know, that's something that uh, uh, that they've been uh, certainly benefited from uh, in terms of uh, his three-point abilities. Uh, and, and I think bringing in Wayne Ellington, you know, I mean, you lose Reggie Bullock, obviously, but uh, uh, but to bring, in, to, to bring in Wayne Ellington, you really you haven't missed a beat there. You, you know, I think uh, Ellington uh, is just a professional shooter and, and he just does that so well. Um, so, you know, that was really a good move. It was a good move for him, you know, as a guy going into free agency uh, to, to be able to find a spot where where he can play, where he can start, where he can uh, get those shots and show what he can do, uh, the shots that he wasn't getting in Miami. There are a lot of teams who passed up on him who I think are probably going to be kicking themselves down the stretch here because uh, uh, we've seen what he can do. So, yeah, you know, I think a lot of it's just confidence and, the, and they fed off each other a little bit. A lot of it was they were shooting below uh, what their capabilities were and, and, and things are starting to even out now. I think you could have had 15 against the Suns last night. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lost franchise right now. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I mentioned before that Igor is there. And and it's tough to see him because, uh, you know, he's a guy who waited so patiently uh, for for an opportunity. Um, You know, going in with the number one pick, DeAndre Ayton, uh, and, uh, and, and, and for them to have the kind of year that they've had, uh, it's it's really tough, and he might wind up taking the fall. I don't know if they'd fire him after one year. There's some talk that they would, uh, but uh, uh, but you know it, it'd be too bad if he took the fall for for a roster that just obviously those guys uh, just have little interest in uh, going out and playing NBA basketball. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, that is pretty sad. That's our buddy Igor Kokoskov, former uh, Pistons assistant, I'm talking to Sean Devaney from the Sporting News. All right, West Coast trips are always kind of tricky. Sean, the Pistons get the win on Thursday night in, in Phoenix. But then Saturday at Portland, they're fourth in the West. Sunday at Golden State, we know what the Warriors are, the best team in the West. But right on their tails are Denver, and that's where the Pistons end the trip on Tuesday. Good measuring stick, do you think, for this team these next three games? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you know, and, and, and I think you'll have a chance to win some of these. You know, I mean, uh, uh, Portland's played well, but, uh, but they're a little banged up. Uh, the Warriors we've seen, they're, they're, they're capable of, uh, uh, you know, especially those Sunday late afternoon games. Uh, you know, they're, they're very capable of, uh, uh, of going out and laying an egg. We've, we've seen that from them, uh, more than once in the last month or so. So, uh, you know, they, they could be a little vulnerable. Playing at Denver is, is, is always tough, um, you know, especially closing out a trip. That's uh, that's one you might you might you might write off there. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I thought uh, I thought it was interesting that that uh, Coach Casey chose to sit Blake Griffin against Cleveland uh, rather than waiting to uh, you know maybe that Denver game. You know, like I say, I just I have a hard time seeing how you win that game. Uh, you, you know, so why not get the Cleveland win? Uh, and, uh, and 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 approach things that way, um, but you know I, I I understand why he did that. He's trying to steal one against Cleveland there, but uh, uh, but yeah, you know I think the rest of this trip is is going to be tough if you can if you can come up with a win in these three games. I think you got to be pretty happy. Let me ask you about this whole resting thing. While you brought it up, and I'm going off script here for a second, but uh, you know 
The other night when Blake sat against the Cavs, I was okay with it because number one, you know, he he's he's been broken down before and he carried this team the first three months and needs a rest. Number two, he has been to Cleveland before. The Cavs fans that maybe are paying money to say, oh, you know, I want to see Blake Griffin. They get another opportunity. The, the, the Pistons go there twice during the season. I hated last Friday when all these fans here in Detroit pay a, a lot of money to see LeBron come in for this one trip in, and he sits for, for load management. How how unfair is that? And, and do you think the league will eventually step in for something like that? No, I mean, the league's done what it can. I, I don't know how much more the league could possibly do. You know, trying to stretch out the schedule as much. I mean, really, that there should be fewer games. That's what it comes down to. But uh, uh, but if uh, assuming that's not going to happen, and it's not, uh, then I'm not sure there's much more the league can do. You know, they've they placed a priority on the national TV games. That's that's something that we've seen. Uh, you know, with the embarrassment that happened last year when I think it was what the Warriors and the Spurs played, and 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 none of the stars were out there. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah they, they they don't want that. Uh, so they, they they place a premium on the national TV games and making sure that teams uh, uh, play their best players. Then, uh, but I, I you know I don't know that there's much that they can do to uh, to, to to force a guy like LeBron, uh, who's who's playing for a team that's not going to get to the playoffs, uh, to go out and play. You know, I, I just don't know what they can do. Um, you know, it's it's it, it's really tough. And and uh, uh, you know, as long as as the the science keeps showing that rest benefits these guys, then teams are going to keep doing it, and uh, uh, and the fans are going to be uh, kind of left holding the bag. It's, it's it's too bad that that's the way it is. It's just, I don't, I don't know what they can do to change it. Yep, I, I agree. Sean Devaney with me from the Sporting News. Uh, you look at the standings in the East right now. Pistons, at the time of this recording, sitting at six, a game ahead of Brooklyn, who's at seven, and two games ahead of Miami, all of a sudden is on fire, and they've won eight of their last ten. Uh, they're sitting at eight. Uh, how do you view this, and how do you think it uh, it shakes out at the end of the year? Yeah, you know, uh, Brooklyn was always going to have a hard time down the stretch here because they do have uh, uh, such a tough schedule. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, in the end, we, I think it probably holds the way it is. Uh, I think the Heat have played uh, uh, above their heads a little bit. And, you know, I mean, uh, give a lot of credit to Orlando. They've, they've, they've not given up. They were in some situations where I thought, okay, well, this is it. Orlando's going to fold the cards, uh, and they haven't done it. So they're, they're, they're still right there, too. I just... I don't think that they've got the firepower right now uh, to, to, to pass any of the teams in front of them. So I think you wind up Pistons 6, uh, Nets 7, uh, and Heat uh, uh, 8. You could possibly see, because Brooklyn has such a tough schedule down the stretch, that uh, that, that maybe Miami will uh, uh, will jump ahead. But, but I think the Pistons wind up uh, uh, holding on to that number 6 spot. All right, so if they end up at 6, season ended today, the way the Sixers have come on and with the, with the way the Pacers are, I, I think coming down a little bit, which was to be expected with, with no Victor Oladipo, a first-round matchup with Philly. It's weird. The Pistons beat the Raptors three times this year, and Dwayne Casey knows that team inside and out. Detroit finished 7, they would get Toronto. They finished 3, they get Philly. What do you think they'd prefer to do? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, you know, certainly if you're Dwayne, you want to see you want to see the Raptors. Uh, you, you know, that's a sort of a no lose situation for you. You can either uh, you know go up against a team that you used to coach and and put up a good fight, or or, or heck, you know, the way that they played against them during the regular season, uh, you know, you, you'd have to think that you have a shot uh, to, uh, to to win that series and really really put a scare in them. Uh, so I think that that you know them slipping down to seven wouldn't be the worst thing. I just 
I'm, I'm not sure that that I don't think Brooklyn can get there because of the way their schedule is, and and I don't know that Miami. Um, you know, I think that they've played well in this stretch. I don't know that they can sort of finish it off. Uh, so I think it's probably going to be a, a series against Philadelphia. I think that's that's that that's probably uh, uh, what the Pistons are looking at. And you know, I mean, Philadelphia obviously. Uh, Really, really tough with, with the starting lineup that they have, uh, but, uh, but but beatable. You, you know, they don't have much in reserve. They're very, very uh, su- uh, subject to uh, injury problems. Uh, so, you know, I think Philadelphia is is a beatable team. Uh, but, you know, I think if you're the Pistons, you'd rather see Toronto. Yeah, Embiid and, and Drummond, uh, you know, that's been an interesting kind of matchup. Joel has, has had Andre's number. He's playing, Sean, he's playing as well as probably anybody in the league right now, isn't he? Yeah, and uh, I, I mean they're, they're they've got a really nice one-two combo. Obviously, you've got Tobias Harris and, and Ben Simmons as well. But uh, when you have Embiid, who can kind of hammer for three quarters, and then you've got a closer like Jimmy Butler, uh, who's just been fantastic down the stretch. The last, uh, uh, the, certainly the game against the Boston the other night, and, uh, and 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 last week they they won at Milwaukee, and, and Butler was a big part of that. Uh, the way he can step up in in big games uh, that. That's, that's that's a really tough combination to, uh, to to handle because, like I say, you kind of get beat up by Joel Embiid and what he can do in the middle uh, for uh, uh, for the first 36 minutes. Then you got to figure out what to do with Jimmy Butler uh, in the final 12, and that's uh, uh, that's a pretty good combination. When you look at the East, um, you know what what jumps out at you as as far as when we get to the postseason is it is it definitely uh, Giannis getting into the finals or is there somebody you like better? You know, I, I boy, I, I can I, depending on the day of the week, I can come up with a different reason that <laughs> right. uh, that this team's going to the finals or that team's going to the finals. Uh, you know, I, I I think Milwaukee uh, is probably the most susceptible to an upset, uh, and I say that because of the way they play. You know, the way they spread the floor and rely on the three point shot. I think they're uh, the, the, they're a little uh, uh, susceptible to some trick defenses. Certainly, if you play a zone against them, uh, that can be a problem. A lot of teams don't like to play his own, but I think that's a pretty good way uh, to go up against my uh, against Milwaukee. I think he can expose Brooke Lopez a little bit, especially on the defensive end. Uh, so I just think that there's some holes that you can pick at. They've done a great job, and, and really they've addressed a lot of their issues um, in, in terms of transactions, getting a guy like uh, George Hill and, and Miritich, who had a great game the other day. Um, uh, you know, they've added Paul Gasol. Uh, you know, so they've done a nice job filling out the rest of that roster, uh, and uh, and, and maybe that'll be enough to pull them through the East. I think Toronto's uh, as as tough as anybody, but you know, again, if they get the Pistons in the first round, that's that's a tough matchup for them, and that's that that's going to beat them up for the second round. Uh, you know, when they would face probably uh, uh, you know Philadelphia or somebody like that. So you know, I, I really can make a case for just about anybody. If I had to pick, though, I'd probably say uh, Toronto is 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 the most complete team uh, in terms of the way the roster. is and the chemistry. Uh, you know, Celtics obviously are still a dangerous team uh, because of the talent they have, but the chemistry is just not there. I think Toronto uh, uh, would probably be my pick in the East right now. All right, final thing for Sean Devaney. You mentioned, uh, you know, the, the Pistons and, and this year, but looking ahead to the future, how do you like how they're kind of constructed right now? Certainly another year where you, you got some of those contracts until they come off the books. But Ed Stefanski running the team was very creative at the deadline, getting a guy like Zvi who could help him uh, maybe in the future. And, and Thon Maker, who looked very good Thursday night. Uh, how, how do you view Detroit's future? 
Yeah, I mean they're 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 sort of in that position when when you've got the deals. Obviously, Reggie's deal is uh, is is still there for next year, and you've got Griffin and and Drummond are, are making something like fifty million bucks between the two of them. Uh, as long as you've got that, then you're going to be limited. Uh, but you, you know, to, to get something, to get what they've gotten out of Luke Kennard uh, lately, that's something that they really needed. They they need some of these guys to uh, uh, to, to play up to where they were picked. Uh, so, so I think Kennard that 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 gives you some hope and, and and maker's been a guy who's really been up and down when he gets a chance uh, you know he makes a lot of mistakes but uh but but he's got some talent so uh it's certainly worth a try uh i, I like the fact that they went and got him uh Zvi is the same way you know he's a guy you, you know he can shoot and at his size that's going to be useful uh, uh in the nba bruce brown uh much the same thing i really liked Kyrie thomas when uh, uh when he was coming out so uh, you know haven't seen too much of him but uh, uh, but but you know certainly somebody who you, who you think uh, uh, at 22 years old uh, you know can eventually be a rotation player. But you're right, you know that's what you've got. You've got to be uh, creative with with with, uh, uh, with how you use your picks, how you use your second round picks, and, and how you kind of pluck uh, uh, players that you think have more potential than than, than what they're showing with their current teams. And, and and certainly this year they've done a pretty nice job of that. Sean, great catching up, sir. Always appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, Matt, thank you. All right, there he is, Sean Devaney from the Sporting News. Check him out at uh, sportingnews.com, longtime NBA writer, and appreciate a couple of minutes of his time. This has been another edition of Wired, the Pistons podcast, brought to you by Jeep. My name is Matt Derry. Pistons with a big one Saturday night at Portland, Sunday at Golden State, and Tuesday at Denver to wrap up this four-game Western swing for heading back home for a date with the Orlando Magic. We'll talk to you again next week right here on Wired.